Welcome to the Rooted Legacy Podcast. At Laurel Branch Church of God, we are devoted to developing an environment of engagement with Yahweh and hosting His presence attentively. Our hope is to help others become rooted in beloved identity and further the kingdom of God on this earth. From Pastor Seth Klein and the congregation at Laurel Branch Church of God, we hope this message brightens your day and changes your life. We pray that God blesses you and all that you do. Thanks for listening.
Just want everybody here tonight to realize that one thing is true. One thing, one thing stands when, when the world is on fire. And Daddy would say, I don't have to be in a church house to lift God's name up. I don't have to be in a church house for a miracle to happen. I don't have to be in church for, for something wonderful to happen in God's presence. Wherever I am, He is also. His presence surrounds this place tonight. Well, if you have a need, if you have, if you have a, if you're suffering, if you're afflicted, tonight is the night. Uh, this morning was the day. A any moment that you're in the presence of God, and I believe to my soul that in this great building we have found ourselves in the very presence of Almighty God. And it don't matter if the four walls is painted green, black, orange, red, white, and blue, whatever. Wherever I'm at, I can have church. It does not matter to me. Somebody's alarm went off. That's a sign.
Good day. 
Jason tangled me up a little bit there. That uh, with a little bit of help and a little bit of grace to see, and I can bring this out to you the way that uh, the way that God brought it out to me. Um, because I think we all know that without Him, none of this is possible. I'm going to read you a few scriptures real quick. Uh, it'll be John 14. Uh, John, 1 John 5, Matthew 7, Mark 11. Uh, God, I ask that you please, God, just help me slow down. 
Help me give this away, God, that you give it to me, Lord. God, I ask that you please open the minds and the hearts of my brothers and sisters that are here tonight, God, that uh, this word would set in their heart, God, and, and grow and, and manifest something beautiful in their lives tonight, God. I thank you, Lord. I honor you. I, I give you all the praise, God, because like I said before, uh, without you, I, I can't do any of this, Lord. I've tried it my way for a long time, and uh, your way is a lot easier. God, I honor you and ask that, Lord, if there's any need in the house tonight, God, that you would see that it be met. God, that if there's any lost in the in the building this evening, Lord, that your message will be would be heard, God, on every corner of this building. God, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, Lord, for the grace to be to be where I am tonight, Lord, to be in front of these people, to be with these people, uh, more so than anything else, Lord. I ask that you please just lead us, guide us, and protect us, God, and keep your presence, Lord, right here with us. Never leave us tonight, God, as you promised you would. God, I thank you, Lord, and I, I lift you up, and I ask it all in your name tonight, Lord. And amen. John 14, 13 and 14 says, You can ask anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So he says it there twice. If you ask for anything in his name, he would do it. Uh, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 goes on to read, And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Uh, Matthew 7 and 8 says, For everyone who asks receives. Matt, or, sorry, Mark 11 and 24 reads, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. So that's more than enough biblical proof to prove to you not that, that anything that you ask in prayer, if it be the will of God, that it will be yours. If you believe it, you'll receive it. It also goes on to say that if, if your child comes to you, I think it's in, it's, it's one of the Gospels. I think it may be Matthew. It goes on to say that if your child comes to you and asks for bread, will you give him a stone? And then it goes further to say that even if you being, a, uh, being evil can give your child good things, how much more can the Father in heaven do for you? God hears every prayer that you ever pray, and he does, in fact, answer it in his time. It may not be the answer that you're looking for. Uh, it, may be, it may not even be the result that you prayed for, but he does answer it in his time, whether it be yes or no, or that he moves or he doesn't move in his time. But I want to warn you tonight, and I want you to be careful that you have to be careful of what you pray for because you just might get it. We often pray for things and, and, and don't understand that there's that there is consequences of your prayers. Uh, I know this, I mean, honestly, this kind of sounds uh, a little deep and a little heavy, but you take it up with him. I had nothing to do with it. I'm just, I'm just a mouthpiece. But we'll do things and, and we'll ask for things and, and, and throughout life we'll say, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. Anybody else ever prayed that prayer? God speak to me? Okay, I guess me and Brandy's like the only two, right? All the rest of y'all got it all figured out. So, whatever. Um, I guess this will just be for me and you, Brandy, this piece of the message. So, we'll, we'll understand each other. But we'll oftentimes pray, God, can I, I just want to hear your voice. God, could you speak to me? 
uh, whether it be uh, we've never we've never acknowledged his voice before, or or we're looking for him to give us a sign, or or we're looking for him to answer a prayer, we'll say, God, I want to hear your voice. I need to hear your voice, Lord. Let, let well, speak to me. Please say something to me. Let me know that you're there. Sometimes in times of trial or trouble, we'll say, God, I, I, just let me know that you're there. Speak to me. Just just give me a syllable, Lord. Let me know that you're in, that I'm in your presence. Too many times we'll say, God, can I hear your voice? We'll ask for his voice, but we only want to hear all the good stuff like, uh, oh, yeah, you're be hey, son, you're beloved. You're mine. You belong to me. Uh, anything that you'll ask in prayer, I'll, I'll make it happen because I'm your daddy. You're my son. You're beloved. But we get upset when we hear him ask for things. Often too many times. We want to hear him speak, but it gets a little bit, uh, we get a little bit testy when, when he's wanting to ask us to do things. Uh, we want to hear his voice, but uh, we, we get a little bit upset because he says, hey, listen, you need to go lay hands on your coworker. We want to hear him speak to us, but, but, but we, we turn our face in the opposite direction when he starts asking questions, when he starts asking us to do things, when he, when he uh, tells us to step out of our comfort zone. When we say, God, I want to hear your voice, but then we, then we get upset when he says, you know what, you need to take that $20 in your pocket and give it to that brother that's standing in front of you. We get a little bit testy because we want to hear God's voice, but we want to block out that he's saying, hey, listen, uh, they're, they're, you're going to have to pray for that person over there. You're going to have to share your heart with that person. I'm giving you something right now that you're going to have to give to that person. See, there's consequences. We have to hear God's voice. But we don't want to. We don't want to uh, fall victim to him speaking back to us and telling us to do something. Everybody always wants to hear God's voice until He speaks to us and asks us to do something. It's always the good things that we want to hear, but when it comes down to, uh, uh, I need you to go do something that's going to put you out of your comfort zone, then we're like, Oh, hey, hey wait a minute now, hold up. Hold up, you're speaking too much now. You're talking crazy, dog. That's not me. I can't, I can't do stuff like that. Too many times through life will ask for a gift. I want a gift, Lord. Give me a gift, Lord. Uh, give me a gift, God. Uh, I want to manifest miracles, God. I want to heal the sick, Lord. I want to, I want to lay hands on sick people and see them recover. I want that gift, God. But then we talk, tell when he wants us to use that gift. And I want something that I dealt with for a really, really, really long time. Now, I don't think that everything, there's, there's things that's meant for people that aren't meant for others. But I believe to myself that there's not a gift out there that you have to physically earn. Did you ever have a birthday party when you had to mow the lawn before you got all your gifts? Absolutely not. They're called gifts. They're not called rewards. They're not rewards. They're gifts. They're freely given to you. God, I want to heal people. Start healing people. They're gifts. They're not rewards. They're not something you have to earn. You know, it's not like a seniority thing. You don't put five years in and then you get your you get your gift of healing. You don't put in eight more years and you get a, get the gift of, uh, of tongues or or manifestation of miracles. It's not a it's not a seniority thing. It's not a rewards program. It's a gift. But we'll ask for a gift and God gives you a gift and then he'll say, now is the time. 
And then all of a sudden, we don't remember asking for that gift anymore. The time will come and, and then we'll say, God, is that you? We've already asked to hear his voice. Now he's telling us to go do something. And then all of a sudden, we don't know what his voice sounds like anymore. I've done it a million times. I get Anybody else? Brother back here in the back. Billy back here. I guess we're the only two. Everybody else has got it figured out. But been at church many times and God said, won't you go, won't you go pray for your brother? Why don't you uh, give him an uplifting word? God, is that you? What, what if I say something that, that may upset him or, or, or that may make me look like an idiot? We oftentimes worry about, uh, about how it's going to come off if we do something like that. Or, or we go ahead and talk ourselves out of it beforehand. But you don't remember asking for that gift. You don't remember praying to me and talking to me one night saying, God, I want to touch people and I want to heal people. Uh, whether it be spiritually, whether it be physically, I want to heal people, God. And then the next thing you know, you're sitting at Walmart and somebody in the aisle down from you says, God, my back. Or you're sitting at work and somebody says, God, my legs. Lord, I'm so sick, I can't handle And then he says, go ahead and touch us. Just go ahead and pray for them. And then all of a sudden you forget. You'll say, God, is that you? Lord, is that you? I need you to give me a sign, Lord. God, I'm coming to you in the most humble way that I know how, God. I need a sign. Lord, just let this building collapse in so I'll know that I need to pray for my brother. Something just completely impossible and off the wall. Let one of the, Lord God, just ceiling pans just fly right out the window if you want me to go pray for that brother over there. Something that my mommy taught me a long time ago. And it's kind of stuck with me because when I was when I was young in church and I was a probably 17, 18, 19 year old kid, I said, Mom, how do you deal with that? What are you talking about? How how do you when you feel like God's telling you to do something, how do you decipher whether or not it's whether it's Him or you? Well, first of all, Brian, God would never put you up to do anything that would hurt somebody or bring somebody down or uh, or place judgment on somebody or just uh, destroy their character or destroy their their mood or whatever you want to say. He's never going to put you up to doing anything that's going to hurt somebody. And second of all, if you pray for somebody, what did you what did you hurt? What kind of trouble did you bring to somebody just by saying, listen, I want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. And I'll turn you loose and you can go on about your day. A prayer that that I hear oftentimes. Or that I hear people talk about. Lord God, we need revival. Let me get my water open because I'm drying up on you. Lord God, we need revival, honey. That's my free will Baptist church lady on the front pew. Lord God, honey, we need revival in the worst way. We need revival like we've never had before. Well, first of all, common sense, dog. If you want something you've never had, you have to be willing to do things that you've never done. Amen. 
We can't, I, literally right now, I cannot look at everybody in this room and say, I want to lose 20 pounds by June. And then go home for the next, uh, how far are, are, are we off from June now? Two, three months? Give or take four months? So I can't say that I want to drop 20 pounds by June and feed, feed my fat face uh, chocolate ding-dongs for the next four months and expect that 20 pounds just to magically disappear. It's not going to happen. I can't do the same things that I do right now and expect a different result then. Are y'all following me when I'm saying this? We can't, we can't do the same things that we're doing now and expect a different outcome then. We can't pray the same prayers that we prayed then and get a different outcome now. It just doesn't work out like that. And just like I said, you cannot have a revival that you've never seen. Have revival like you've never seen and do the same things that we did years ago. We can't sing the same songs. We can't have the same prayer habits. We can't have the same church services. We cannot do the same things, say the same things, think the same things, and expect something different from what we had before. I want to warn you, be careful when you pray for revival that you've never had. Because revival that you've never had will not look like what it looked like before. Revival that you've never had will look like something completely different. It'll look like nothing, well obviously, it'll look like nothing you've never that you've ever had before. It'll be services like you've never had before. There'll be sounds come out of your church like you've never had before. There will be songs sung at your church that'll sound like nothing else you've ever sung before. There will be praise erupt from your church that has never erupted from your church before. This is something that, that hit me. On, uh, well, it didn't hit me. God, God laid it on me as, uh, as I was driving up the road to, uh, to get Caden something to eat. So you have the Pharisees and the high priests in the Bible. When they expected the Messiah, they were expecting a king. They were expecting a, uh, a, a king with a crown and a scepter and, and just a warrior and this big, strong, broad-shouldered man, uh, just a, a, a man's man, a, a man of uh, a royalty, nobility, riding in on a, on a noble steed and standing in front of people and saying, I'm the Messiah. But what they got was a lowly common man born in a barn among the animals, raised by a carpenter who rode in on a mule. And they rejected it, they despised it, they denounced it, they hated it because it didn't come looking and sounding like the Messiah. And the religious mindset is the same exact way. 
that the thing that happens most of the time is when, when chains are begin to begin to be broken off of people, when deliverance is coming to your house, when uh, when God Almighty begins to breathe breath over your congregation, well, buddy, that don't look like nothing Mamma and Papa ever did. Well, that ain't the songs they used to sing. That ain't what we used to do when we had revival. It doesn't... It, when it doesn't come in the package that you expect it to come in, we reject it and we deny it and we throw it out the window. We shut it down because it, it ain't the way that mommy and daddy and mama and papa and, and, and their mommies and daddies and their mommies and daddies and mamas and papas did it because they're not singing the same songs, because they're not praying the same prayers, because uh, people are completely acting completely different than they did any other time before because the revival of 1997 was like this. We had this preacher, and we had these songs, and they sung these songs, and they prayed these prayers, and there was people falling on the floor everywhere, and uh, there was hanging off the rafters, and there was people standing outside of the church because there wasn't enough room on the inside of the church, but because something comes that doesn't look like it did in 1997, because a sound erupts from a church that didn't come in 1997, because a song was sung that wasn't sung in 1997, we completely shut it down. We completely rebuke it because it's nothing like what we had before. Christ was healing people that had, been, that had sicknesses for years, for all of their lives. People were getting free deliverance without any kind of payment. People were getting delivered, delivered from demonic possession. And, and, and all they could think about was, this can't be him because that's not the package that it comes in. That's not the package that we was looking for. That's not, the, that's not the mighty man of God that we was looking for to set us all free. He doesn't look the way that he was supposed to look. Why he doesn't talk the way that he was supposed to talk. Let's go ahead and shut that down right now. Be careful when you ask for revival that you never had. Because it's not going to look like anything you've ever seen before. Be careful to ask for your church to be revived again because this. Be careful, pray for your church to be different from what it was. Because when it is something different and it does come along, be careful that you don't shut it down automatically. When you pray or when you ask for something different from what you had, it's obviously going to look, sound, feel completely different from anything that you've ever experienced. How many people's ever prayed the prayer? Oh, Lord, I just want to go deeper. God, just take me higher. God, I know that there's more to this than, than what it looks like. Take me on to something else. Take me on to a deeper level of you, Lord. Let me get to know you, Lord, the way that you've intended me to know you, Lord. Get, tell me your plans for me, Lord. Just let me go deeper, Lord. Let me experience you a way that I've never experienced you before. Has, any, nobody, has anybody ever prayed that prayer? I mean, let's be honest. I, there's quite a few in here that I already know the answer to that because their fruit tells them. But a lot of people pray that prayer. At least 98% of people that are walking around in the church are asking, God, just take me deeper. God, just, just, just lift me up higher, Lord. Bring me on to a new level, Lord. But a fraction of them actually mean it. 
John chapter 9 tells the story of a man healed of blindness from birth. He was viewed as cursed and people would spit in his direction. Jesus came along and spits on the ground and makes mud and rubs it in his eyes and tells him to go wash off in the pool of Siloam. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but we won't go on with it. The man's blindness is healed, but it first came from an unpleasant sound. And I know you've talked about this and I'm, I'm not riding your tails. I know Damon Thompson's talked about this and I'm not trying to write his tales. But this hit me the other day and it hit like a Mack truck. I was doing inventory at the store and I was listening to Damon talk about this. He was blind from birth and people thought he was cursed. He was cursed so they, when they passed by him they would and spit in his direction. And that's all that he heard because he, he was completely blind. That's the only perception that he had. He was cursed and, and People spit at him. So when he heard that sound, he knew that people were passing by. And he associated that with being cursed. Then comes along Jesus, never says a word to him. <laughs> Rubs his hand around on the ground and puts mud in his eyes. Tells him to go wash off. And his socks are stored. So what I'm getting at is to go higher and to go deeper, your perceptions must be changed. Your vision has to be changed. And unfortunately, it's going to come from an unpleasant sound. Uh, I'm going to share this real quick. I have all these notes on it. I'm just going to tell you all basically the way that it all happened. 2014, I got it, or see, yeah, 2014. 14, 15, I can't quite remember. I got, got back in church, got into the ministry. And as many of us do when we first start out, uh, we've got a, we got a fire down deep in our bones and we got to tell everybody and we got to find us a place to preach. And uh, then when we get that one out of the way, we got to find somewhere else to preach and we got to start getting regular appointments. And when we can't get appointments, we got to start doing stuff outside of the church. We've got to start uh, making a name for ourselves because. By golly, we are going to save the world. And I, honestly, I don't believe that there is a ministry in the world who hasn't had that idea. Whether it be when they first start or they, they get a few years into it. I think everybody that goes into ministry ultimately has the, the dream or the vision. Jet airplanes. Long I'm getting ready to read the flyer in here. Y'all don't even know. But, woo, but we all have that vision that, that that's what ministry is going to be. Man. We're, we're going to check into, mother, like you said this morning, we're going to check into the nicest motels and, and, and we're going to reach people. We're going to fly everywhere and we're going to uh, drive in nice vehicles and, 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 and do four or five day conferences and do camp meetings and, and get people to, uh, to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I was like that. That's exactly what I was going to do. The, the first time that I ministered at, at uh, Promised Land Church in Oceana, I loved it. Like, and when it first started, I loved helping people. Like, there was nothing in this world that done me any better for somebody to come up to me and say, man, that was good. Dude, really? You, you got it, man. I loved it. I, I got high. 
Because when people come up to you and they pat you on the back and they say, man, that was really good. You go from, from this to standing straight up and you suck in your stomach and you puff that chest out. By glory, I'm the man of God. I'm the man of power for the hour. And you start getting... See, the thing about it was, like, the first time that I ministered, there was a house full of people, and there was a big offering took up, and, and I'm not saying that, that you should never accept an offering from somebody, but when you first time, you get a big offering, that completely ruins you for the rest of your ministry. Because I promise you one thing. Not everywhere that you go is even going to have an offering. Um, I've went to places before and thought that I've preached the house down. They'd be like, well, buddy, we'll have you back next time. I'm like, come on. Come on. I drove all the way here. Gas money. <clears throat> right here. But I had a messed up perception of, of how ministry worked and, and, and what it actually was supposed to be. Now, not to say that everything that I've done was from a, black, from a bad place or from, uh, from a negative part of my mind. In all honesty, I thought I was doing a really good thing, that I was trying to help people. Honestly, in this very building, I, I believe to my soul there was a man who got healed of cancer in that room. We had, uh, we had a woman uh, give her life to God. I, I have to catch up with her and see how she's doing. There was good things that was done through me. Probably about 75% of it was me. And the other 25% may or may not have been God Almighty. But I was taking the credit for all of it. I was promoting my name by being disguised under his name. Did it work? Absolutely. I would spend hours upon hours upon days upon weeks getting ready because I knew that I knew that somebody was getting ready to call or I knew that I had an appointment coming up and, and, and you at least gotta have you at least gotta go an hour or they won't call you back. You at least gotta shout glory three times before they'll call you back. If you don't shout glory, buddy, it's over. If you don't make somebody if you don't if you don't pray with people, if you don't lay hands on people, well they're not gonna have anything to do with you. So your prayer has gotta sound it's gotta sound professional. Uh, you, you, you've got to have your ducks in a row. You got to you got to look like somebody. You got to sound like somebody. You got to you got to walk upright when you walk into the pulpit. And I had all that down. I had all that nailed to perfection. I was playing the game. Had three or four appointments every month. Uh, I like to say countless times of being here, being in Oceana, being, well, that was after the fact. I was going to say on Long Branch, but that was way after the fact. But meanwhile, while I was out trying to save the world, my wife was at home. I've been doing this probably now since 2016, maybe. And probably the first year and a half or better, my wife never went with me. On one or two occasions, my wife went with me. Because when I was at home, 
I was hateful. I was arrogant. I, I was self-seeking. I, I was all of those things. I was the man of power for the hour. I was God's right hand. I, I was the very healing hand that was going to that was going to sweep sweep Oceania, sweep Pineville, sweep West Virginia. And lo and behold, maybe someday I'd be on TBN if I was lucky. But meanwhile, my wife is sitting at the house, and my little boy is sitting at the house. They're only there tonight because he's sick. Nine times out of ten, they are right here. But I was a jerk. We come home after a revival one night. I wasn't preaching, obviously. I was getting ready to sign myself up for a revival because I thought I was it. But we got into an argument at home that night. No sooner than we walked in the door, we got into an argument. And she looked at me and said something that it couldn't have hit me no harder if I'd have got hit by a truck on the highway. She says, I wish that people could see the way that you treat me. I wish that people could see the way that you talk to your boy. I wish that people really knew who you was before you got in that pulpit. I really wish that people could see the way that you act when you're not in that pulpit or when they're not on the phone with you or when you're not in good sense, when you're here at the house treating us like we're garbage. I left the house that night, went back to the church house. Luckily, the pastor and his wife were still there. And she told me, she said, Brian, I knew, I knew from the get-go when you first started that this was coming. I should have said something, but I didn't. But she told me that I needed to slow down. Because you can only go and go and go and go and go and do so much before it all just explodes. After that, I go home and I, I suck it up and I tell my wife that I'm sorry. I find myself regularly going over to Laurel Branch. And from there, I, like everything that I thought that I knew about ministry and that I thought I knew about God and I thought that I knew about church was just completely flipped up on its face. That's where I learned that my most important ministry was not in a pulpit. That my most important ministry was not even in a church. That my most important ministry was a woman that, that I treated and abused like a dog for, for six, seven months to a year. That my most important ministry was a little blue-eyed boy that I could someday show how to walk and talk and act in God. That I could show that, that God's grace can cover a multitude of sins. That he doesn't have to feel guilty whenever, whenever he messes up. My most important ministry is a wife and a son that love me and look up to me for, uh, for leadership and direction and for prayer when they need it. 
I had a choice when all that went down. I could have very easily just said, you know what? She's full of herself. She's, ah, she, listen, she don't understand the vision. She don't understand the vision that God has for my life. But he's obviously told me from on high that I was going to be on TBN, that I was going to do camp meetings, that I was going to save everybody like Billy Graham did. She don't know. I know my God. She's out of it. She speaks as a foolish woman. I could have went that way, and I'd probably be uh, paying child support and divorced and probably with mommy. And I don't think she can handle that right now in her life. So thank God I went the other way. So like I say, I took that break, and I ended up going to Laurel Branch, and here we are now. But I tell that story because most people will not part. They're not part with what they're doing to grow. They'll not come out of the limelight to go into obscurity to grow. Because I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. A lot of people probably won't, but I will be completely honest with you. When you pass by a place and you see your name on a marquee sign, or you get that phone call saying, hey, listen, brother, could you come down? That feels good. When you pass by a church house and your name is on the board, that feels great. Now, mind you, right now, in obscurity, that does not happen. I don't even know if there's people in this world that know I preach anymore. And I'm all right with that. Two, three years ago, that dude would have said, listen, Jack, you better get out of Laurel Branch while you still can. These people going to forget your name. But sometimes we don't want to part with the things that's going to make us grow the most. We're not willing to let go of the things that please this, this flesh. We don't want to let go of the things that make us feel good, that make uh, that, that are fun, that are that are good times. For the most part, when when people know that they're doing something that doesn't line up with Scripture, or that doesn't that doesn't line up with the way that God's will things, boy, we are ducking in mud puddles. Because we don't want God to get anywhere near whatever's making us feel good at the time. Because we know that he's going he's to get some blood and he's going to rub it in our eyes. And he's going to tell us to go clean off. And then we're going to see things the way that we didn't see things before. We're going to view our, we're going to view the sin that we, that we cling to so hard completely different. And we'll have to either A, give it up or B, stay right where we are. And there's a lot of people that will say, you know what, that's, that's all fine and well. I'm all right at this level. I don't have to go any higher. Because we have the mentality sometimes that if there's little known, there's little required. And to quote Spider-Man, great power comes with great responsibility. I've got you on clothes, dog. I'm kind of worried. Anyway, but we live with that mentality that if, that if we don't know a lot, a lot's not required of us. Uh, we, can, we can claim ignorance as a valid excuse. Oh, yeah, I didn't know about that. But the very second that that mud gets washed off of your eyes, 
and your vision's clear for the first time and you see it, you have a choice to make. Am I going to completely go back to that or am I going to, am I going to man up? Am I going to choose what made me feel good over a higher perception? And sometimes we see that if God changes our vision, we're going to have to give some things up. The Word of God says that we go from glory to glory to glory. And some of us find the level that we like, and we just kind of hang out there because that's that's comfortable. That's uh, that's where we we know what we have to know, and we don't want to know anymore because we're we're hanging out at this level because we figured this level out and if. If we go up to this level, well, we're going to be accountable for a lot more than we was at this level. But just like in a natural sense, if you want, if there's too much weighing you down, you're not going to jump higher. If you want to jump higher, I'll say it like this. If I wanted to jump higher, I would have to let go of some weight. I would have to let go of some things. And it works the same exact way with God. If you're one, if you're one, if you're praying that prayer, I want to go higher, there's some things that you're probably gonna to have to let go of to go higher. Some of it's gonna be okay, some of it's gonna be hard. Uh, if anybody in this lifetime tells you that anything that we do in, in Christianity is easy, there is a lot of things that are easy. But there is a lot of things that come to you that is hard. And as I've said, sometimes we we view things that's too hard to let go of, and we say, "I'll just kind of stick out around, stick it out around here." But we'll never get to a higher elevation. We'll never get to a different perception if we're stuck right here, because right here is comfortable. Right here, you can still walk around and say, "I'm blind." I, you can still turn a blind eye to whatever it is, whatever whatever sin or whatever uh, mindset or mindset or perception that you have. It's a lot easier at this level if you claim that you don't know. And that's why a lot of us will never go higher. Because we're comfortable here. We can still cling to that thing that we cling to down here. When God is expecting a little bit more of us at this level. And he's expecting a little bit more of us at this level. And you look from this level and you say, that looks too hard. I gotta, I gotta give up, I've got to give up personal time to get to that level. I've got to give up a, 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 a Saturday at the golf course for that level. I've got to give up a weekend at the movies with my with my buddies or or I've got to I, I got to cut out a hunting trip to go to that level. I've got to fast and pray to get from this level to that level. That's that's not me. I can't do that. It's hard to give up those things. It's hard to to to, to shy away from them. 
That's why we have to be careful of what we ask for in prayer. Because sometimes you're going you're gonna to come in on a situation where, where God Almighty looks at you and he says, Here, rub some of that on your eyes and then wash it off over here in the pool. Because you, you, you have to be held accountable. When, you, when your vision is 20-20, you are held accountable. Sometimes when it's not, you can look over top of it and say, You know what? That's all right. That's all right. I, I, I'm human. I'm just human. Now God, God made me imperfect. I'm just a human. But from this level to this level says that you know better. From this level to this level says you're accountable. From this level to this level means you got to give some stuff up. From To get from here to here, you're going to have to drop off some excess weight to get to this level. So as I've said many times, be careful what you ask for in prayer because it may, it may in fact put you in situations that you're not comfortable being in. And I don't say that to discourage you from, from wanting to go to the next level, but I want you to know that it does come with a price and it does come with a cost. Be careful for the things that you ask for in prayer because they do come with consequences. Don't ask for God's voice when you're not willing to go. Don't ask for his gifts when you're not willing to use them. Don't ask for revival that you've never had when it comes in a package that you ain't used to seeing. Don't ask for change and get mad when he starts changing you. Don't ask to see things and get upset when he starts to Tinker with your vision a little bit. Be careful what you ask for in prayer. Because a lot of the times it's not, it's not what you think it is at face value. That next level comes with a price. Hearing his voice is going to come with a cost. Having that gift is going to mean that you're going to have to use it. God, to save the Lord, I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. I honor you, Lord, in your presence tonight. God, I do thank you, Lord, for answering prayers, whether it be answers that I wanted, Lord, or answers that I didn't want. God, I thank you, Lord, for revival that I've never seen. God, I thank you for taking your hands and putting them in mud and cleaning up my eyes. God, I thank you for a changed perception. God, I ask that tonight, Lord, if there is one in the midst, God, that has asked for a, a changed perception or has asked to go deeper, Lord, more than anything, God, I I pray that, that we realize that there is a price for that deep living. There is a price for that being called higher. God, I honor you, Lord, and I lift you up in this building tonight, God. 
And Lord, if there's a if there's a need in this house tonight, Lord, I pray that you move on. God, and you meet it. You meet it and meet it with, with more, with abundance, Lord. God, I ask that there's somebody in the house tonight, Lord, that needs a healing. God, I ask that you will completely, 100% restore their body. God, if there's a financial struggle, Lord, I ask that you please just make a way, God, when there seems to be no way. God, I thank you, Lord, and I honor you in this house. God, I thank you for your presence in this place tonight, Lord. It is an unconventional setting, to say the least, God, but I know that you've, you've walked up and down these aisles, God. You've walked up and down and across this, this area up here, Lord. God, I ask that you please just open our hearts and open our minds, Lord, to what you've, what you've placed in my heart this morning, Lord. God, I thank you and I lift you up, Lord. And I ask that you please watch over us, lead us, guide us, and protect us tonight, God, as we go home. And God, bring us, bring us back here safely, Lord. God, I thank you, Lord, and I honor you. And I ask it all in and through the name of Jesus tonight, God. And amen. You got anything, boss man? Is everybody's uh, heart and mind clear? will stand to your feet this will be our dismissal prayer uh, we'd like to thank everybody for coming out this evening and being with us worshiping with us honoring God with us uh, being fed with the word tonight God we thank you and praise you uh, Seth if you don't care would you lead us in, in prayer Our vision for the Rooted Legacy podcast is that we give as much free content to God's creation as possible. However, if you've been affected by God's word and would like to give, you can do so at Tithely Online or on the Tithely app. Just search Laurel Branch Church of God. Our address is Clear Fork, West Virginia 24822. That is Tithely.ly, T-I-T-H-E dot l y thank you for listening and may god bless you and all that you do today